Welcome to Wednesdays Together. I'm so glad you've joined us tonight here in the middle of your week. You're putting God first, and you've come out for worship to be refreshed. I encountered a story this week about Nobel Prize winning scientist Isidore Robbie. He was asked, how did you become a scientist? What was that like? What motivated you to take that step? Now, the interviewer probably expected to hear things that you would normally hear <laughs> from successful people, maybe how much he loved science as a child, or, you know, those uh, really great stories about, well, there was this one great teacher who was amazing, and, and um, she saw that spark in me, and so she really encouraged me to take that next step and to continue, to continue pursuing my passions. But Robbie's response, it didn't really speak to things like that. What he told the interviewer was that every day after school, his mom would talk to him about his school day. And I know um, the other parents hearing this are thinking, great, I'm right on track for um, my child becoming a Nobel Prize winner because I do that too. <laughs> and so what was unique, however, about the conversation that his mother had with him every day was that she wasn't really interested in what he had learned at school that day. Instead, she asked him this simple question. Did you ask a good question today at school? And you know, I am convinced that living for God is all about asking the right questions. Specifically, rather than asking, Lord, what do you want me to do? I really think a key in our spiritual lives is asking, Lord, who are you shaping me to become? On Sunday, we launched a new sermon series designed to help us make the most of every day that we have been given by helping us determine the will of God for our lives. And I'd like to open with our focus passage for this series. It's Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Why don't you type that in the chat, all. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Tonight, I'm going to speak a continuation of our series, Decisions, Decisions. I'm going to talk about walking the walk. On Sunday, we heard two powerful truths to help us in our pursuit of the will of God. And the first thing is God cares about who before do. You see, when it comes to the will of God, God cares more about who you are than he cares about what you are going to do. And so because of that, the second truth that we learned Sunday is God's will is why before what? God's will is why before what? You see, it's all about our motives. It's all about our surrender to him. It's all about the fact that when we are truly pursuing God, we're going to be focused on his best, not our view of what is best or what is good. And when we speak about those motives and how that matters to God, you know, a, a, true, a, a truth in all of this is that you truly can do all the right things for all the wrong reasons. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? 
You can do all the right things, but do them for the wrong reasons. And if, if your motivation is more about what people see, if your mo- motivation is more about pleasing others, if your motivation is more about finding your worth and your value and your affirmation from these likes or from these pats on the back or from those words of praise, then I'm sorry. Scripture tells us you've already, earned, you've already gotten your reward here on earth. But if our motive is to please God, then it always, always, always starts with the heart. It always starts with matters of the heart. And you see, because our motives matter, that's why, more than anything, we've got to learn to take our hands off of every situation. We've got to wait until God's time for God's plan to unfold. And see, that's why I love to regularly pray this prayer from the book of Psalms. It's found, um, it's Psalm 139, verses 23 through 24. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You see, that, that's what we're doing when we are, when we are, passionately pursuing the will of God, it starts with, Lord, here's my heart. You know what's in me, and you know what you need to change. And so let me give that to you. That's the who. That's the who that's important before we focus on the do. On Sunday, my husband shared these powerful statements. He said, it's almost impossible to get to the right place when you have the wrong motives. You know what I'm talking about? He also said it's almost impossible to end up at the right destination when you start with the wrong why. Now, you may be hearing this. Maybe you thought this Sunday when he said it, and now I'm saying it again, so you may be thinking it again. Yeah, but, you know, what about that person? What about that guy who cheated his way all the way up to the top? Or what about that girl who stabbed people in the back all along the way? Uh, towards her upwardly mobile career path or the, the wonderful family, whatever, whatever it was that she was trying to achieve, that she did it deceptively. We all know people. We all know people who seem to make it big in life by taking shortcuts. Am I speaking the truth? We know that that, we know that, that happens. We know that there are people who get to their end destinations by behaving terribly along the way. It's not even that, oh, they were bad, and so they accomplished this. Um, They did bad things, so they accomplished this in spite of the bad things they did. No, 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 no. Many times, the bad things they did gave them a leg up on everyone else. Now, you might be thinking that, well, I mean, are you saying that that's (laughs) what we should be doing? No, I'm saying that if your measure of success is just these pinnacles that we set in the world around us, uh, just what culture tells us is successful, then if that's your measure, if that's your benchmark, then you're going to have a really hard time walking this way. And here's why. Because the way of Jesus is a path of humility. It's not a path of I know best or I'm going to do best or I'm going to follow. That, that's not the way of Jesus. The way of Jesus is countercultural, And so when we talk about these seeming success stories, when you look around and you're like, my goodness, you know, yeah, that person, they achieved their goals, but they kind of became a terrible person in the process. 
And, and here's what I would say to that. Here's what I think you need to know most when thinking about things like that. God knows them too. God knows those people too, and he knows their motives. You see, motives matter. Character matters. Attitude matters. You may look the part. You may look like you're doing all the right things, checking all the right boxes. But if your attitude sinks, well, that sinks to God. (laughs) If you don't play nicely with others, if you're a know-it-all, if someone is trying to speak wisdom and encouragement and growth, and maybe even if it's a little bit of, it could feel a little uncomfortable, um, that constructive criticism but you're, you're always pushing that away because you've got it together. You know everything. Um, I, I'm sorry to tell you, you're not becoming who God created you to be. You see, you might get to that place you were aspiring for, but you will never get to that purpose God has for you. You might get to the locale of your dreams, but you won't walk in the love you've been longing for. You might break that glass ceiling, but you won't ever reach that calling from God. That's why it must always, always, always be who before do. It must always be why before what. And I can assure you when we get those things right, God leads us step by step into the right places that he is calling you. That's why the will of God is always more about being than it is about doing. You see, we make this harder than it needs to be. I mean, like, I listen, I'll, I'll think back to um, as a young Bible college student, you know, it just seemed like that was always the, the buzzword, right? The will of God, like, oh, I'm just, I'm just praying for the will of God. And I will tell you, I've done extensive prayer and fasting at different seasons in my life, praying for the will of God. I am not mocking that. I believe that is biblical. But I think sometimes we make the will of God this lofty, far-off thing um, that we're always striving to attain, to, to achieve, to figure out. And the truth of the matter is when the will of God is always far away, then in 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 a very real sense, it excuses us from walking in the will of God right here and right now. Does that make sense to anybody? Like if we make the will of God this supernatural, ooky-booky thing every day of your life, you, you, you don't know if you're in the will of God. Folks, that's not, that's not what God desired. Certainly there are times, I mean, when you're going to marry somebody, you better be praying. You better be fasting. You better know it's the right decision. And it better not just be that, oh, I just love how I feel. Because anybody who's been married more than 10 minutes can tell you feelings can be fickle, right? So you you better hear from God on things like that. You better hear from God on situations if it's requiring major changes in your life. Absolutely. But walking in the will of God, it's not as difficult as we make it to be. We view it as this sort of spiritual obstacle course, right? Um, When really the will of God It's simply more about surrender. It's really more about dying daily. Oh, there she goes again. (laughs) Yeah, those aren't popular topics to talk about. But but that's really what it is rather than being super spiritual and having God, you know, come into your house and, you know, write with the big finger on your your wall. I mean, like, 
you know, a lot of times when he did that too, uh, those messages weren't so great. You know, I, w- <laughs> I would rather just pray and seek him and, and uh, surrender my life and let him speak to me and guide me day by day the path that's in front of me rather than needing the dramatic and the drastic and needing a word from the Lord from somebody. Listen, the Lord's got a word for you. It's in Scripture. It's what you hear across this pulpit. It is to walk faithfully and to be faithful and true right where you are planted. And then if he has a change for you, he'll make it known. But it doesn't have to be this far-off thing that we struggle with. You see, when we follow the will of God, when we pursue it as an act of surrender, then it's not just this super elite spiritual status that only the select chosen can achieve. I don't believe that at all. I believe that every Christian, every believer can walk in God's will for their lives. Does anybody else believe that? Does anybody else believe that? I want to just thank him right now. God, thank you that you have given us a roadmap for your will, and you've given us ways to find that and walk in that. And we commit right now to do that. Amen. Touch our minds, God, that we can receive this. Amen. Amen. There's a beautiful scripture that speaks to all of this, and I'd like to share that with us tonight. It's Micah 6, verse 8. It says, He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Micah 6, 8, ask us what the Lord requires us. He's saying, hey, what is it other than these things? What does the Lord require you? He's asking you to do justly, to love mercy, mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. You see, this passage connects our faith with our actions. It's walking the walk. It's having the faith here and here. We talked about that, talked about that last week. You believe, it gets in your heart, and then you live it out. That, that's what this passage is helping us with. It connects our care for those in need with our walk with God. It makes our walk with God something that is not just about me, but it's about we, okay? Now, maybe you've been asking God to show you his big plan. And like I said, there are times in life when we absolutely need to ask God to show us, to reveal to us his specific will for a specific special situation, the next step of our lives. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think back to times in my life when I was at a crossroads and I really needed to hear from the Lord. And so those times when you're seeking the Lord, it can well, it can seem a little bit like you're begging God to give you direction. You've got, um, you, you've got decisions to make. They're, they're right here, okay? And God feels like he's way over there. <laughs> and so um, I, I think back of some, I'm thinking back of a, a specific situation, and um, there was this, this um, great... Uh, almost a fear, if I can be honest, almost a fear in my life of getting it wrong. You see, I I wanted so much for God to help me see this unfolding of ministry or purpose in my life. I knew he would, had called me, but I couldn't see those next steps in front of me, and it seemed very hidden 
from me. Um, so, you know, I'm just passionately praying, please, God. And so we're kind of working deals and we're, you know, uh, <laughs> from my own experience, I can tell you what God does is he doesn't tell me, like he, he doesn't, he, he's never given me, okay, hey, I'm, I'm so glad you showed up for prayer today. I'm so glad you took some time to visit with me. And here is um, a media presentation of the next 10 years of your life. Just press play and it'll make a lot of sense to you. And then just do your best to walk in that. I don't know if God speaks to you in that way. I mean, I, I think a lot of times I used to think that, you know, if, if I could, if he could kind of give me, you know, a five-year plan or a 10-year plan, I'd feel a lot more comfortable with that. I think I'd probably be really scared <laughs> because if I look back now where I, where things, things that I've weathered or things that, uh, victories that we've had in the past 10 years, I would probably be scared to death. But the difference is, the difference in the way that God deals with me, and I would imagine probably the way he deals with, with most of you as well, is that he gives me grace for that day. He will show me what what his will is that day. Like when I get up in the morning, I pray, God, guide my steps today. And so sometimes, sometimes that means my day is interrupted. Today, for example, um, I had a I had a plan for my day last night that you know was mapped out and various appointments and things that needed to happen. And a phone call this morning turned all of that around. And so I had to. Um, Part of me was thinking, well, this kind of seems strange. But then, but then, um, <laughs> then as I came back in the day and just just meditating on the Lord, I'm like, well, Lord, you you're directing my steps. And so, you know, maybe you needed, maybe there's something a different place I needed to be, or a different person I needed to connect with, or a different door you needed to open than what I thought the plan was going to be last night. Now, that can sound simple. That's kind of a day-by-day. And I know we think about the will of God in terms of the big as well. But I want you to know, I want you to know that you don't get to the big without getting where you need to be in the small. Okay? The day-by-day is where the battle is won for the 10 years from now. And when we seek God and when we surrender, he'll show us day by day. And he'll also show us those big decisions that we need to make. And we don't have to walk in fear. We can walk in faith and we can trust and we can believe that he is opening the right doors for us. Does anybody believe that? Amen. Amen. And so God gives me often, he gives me a clear vision of what he wants me to do today right now in this moment. And I am convinced that getting this verse right, that getting Micah 6-8 right will lead me to the next step in his plan for me. I think that Micah 6-8 is kind of like this bottom line. (laughs) It's just, hey, folks, this is what it's all about. It's that kind of statement. Um, And it's repeated throughout Scripture in different ways, but the same principles that are shared here sort of serve as that foundation, really, in in my opinion, of how we should approach life. It holds straight answers for those who really, truly want to know how to please God. I mean, it's just saying, hey, do you want to please God? This is what you do. I mean, isn't that our whole purpose in life is pleasing God and bringing glory to Him? So this is, it's like, Here's the cliff notes right here. You want to please God? This is what you do. God is saying here, look, you don't need a new word from me. I've already told you what I require. You just need to walk in the word that I've given you. Amen? 
Oh, yeah, I know. I know. Sometimes those new words can be flashy and fun. Um, but but sometimes it's just it's that word that he gave you six months ago or six years ago that you still haven't walked in. Yeah, it, it was the will of God then, and it's still the will of God now. And, and this kind of passage, it speaks to that. It speaks to the who God has called us to be. To walk humbly with God is the basis for loving mercy and doing justice. The only way you're going to fulfill Micah 6.8 is to be humble. You see, because of what God has done, um, because of all that he has given to us, because of all that he has bestowed upon us, we don't deserve these blessings, right? But he's given them to us anyway. And so because of that, we get the opportunity to invest in his kingdom, to pay it forward to someone else. We fully invest in healing the world around us through mercy and justice. That is the call of the believer. We deepen our walk with God. And when we do that, that provides power and passion for us to fully engage the world. You don't have to be afraid of the world if you stay plugged into the source. If you stay plugged into that connection, you don't have to be afraid of the, of the world. You can be the salt and light that he has called you to be in the world around you. Does anybody else get excited about that? Does anybody else get excited about the fact that he has called us to be salt and light? You see, walking humbly with God, it grounds everything else that we do. That's a foundation. It's, it grounds everything else that we do. We can all relate to this walking metaphor, right? I mean, we all do it. Um, that reflects the journey that we're on when it's talking about that. And in the spiritual sense, it's often used throughout Scripture to describe our spiritual journey or the direction in which our lives are heading. And I'd like to look at the three requirements that are given in this passage. I'd like to see how when we apply these principles, when we apply these three requirements to our lives, how that will help us to find our way, to find ourselves on God's pathway, to walking in the will of God, becoming who he has called us to be. And that should be our greatest desire. Amen? Amen. Amen. So first, we're called to do justly. In other words, we're called to, we're called to live according to justice and to do what is right. Now, <laughs> Uh, some of you, you hear that and you may think, mm, I can just happily skip right on to the next part because check, I've got this one covered. Um, I, I believe in justice and I, and I live in that way. I do justly. Let me ask a few questions that can maybe kind of probe a little deeper and help us, uh, help us self-reflect uh, or self-evaluate where we are with this. Do I owe anything to anyone or um, something that I promised to someone that I did not fulfill. Have I cheated on my finances? Have I cheated on an assignment? Have I cheated on legal obligations? Do I tell the truth? Or, you know, a little white lie, is that okay? Have I done right by people? Do I use my influence to stand up for people who have no voice? Have I treated others as they should be treated, as I desire to be treated? Are there sins in my life that need to be confessed, repented, and turned away 
from? Am I living by God's moral law? What is my character like? You know, how do I behave when nobody else sees what I'm doing? You know, I think that takes us back to that prayer from Psalms that says sometimes we need that search my heart moment with the Lord. And in and, and those moments, um, that's why I like to pray that regularly. Because when I say, Lord, show me the things in me that are not like you, it's not like he's like, oh, well, you know, uh, it, yeah, well, it's, you're, you're good enough. I'm just going to leave you there because, I mean, I don't want to upset the apple cart. Um, and, he all, and he certainly doesn't say, oh, you've got it all together. Bravo. Rock on. So proud of you. Now, the Lord, I, I believe that as, a, as our father, he is proud of us. But you know what? As a parent, you understand that you can see even when your child is making progress and is moving in the right direction, um, you, you're still going to coach and encourage um, and really push them along to becoming all that they've been created to be, right? And so certainly our Heavenly Father is no different. And so when I pray those kinds of prayers in those moments, when I make a list of things, um, when, when I pray those prayers, He'll tell me. He'll tell me everything I need to fix. <laughs> and so I, I will make a list. I know this may sound silly, but if the Lord tells me something I need to work on, I will just put that to pen and paper, and I will make that a point of prayer. Not just a point of prayer, but I make it a point of action as well. You see, when we ask God to reveal things in us that aren't just, then we have this privilege. We have this opportunity to make things right. Maybe, you know, maybe this situation with this person that God calls to mind, you forgot all about it, but maybe they didn't. Or maybe they forgot all about it and God brings it to your mind. But for whatever reason, he's calling you to make it right. Maybe I said I would do something for somebody. I didn't fulfill that promise. Here's what I know. I know that God, in many instances, God can't bless me any further until I obey the conviction he's placed in my heart to live justly right now, okay? The next thing the scripture tells us, we are called to love mercy. Some translations say love kindness. So the question, we know that mercy, um, mercy is when you give, when you extend grace to someone that they didn't deserve. And then, of course, we know what kindness is. It's just being gentle and encouraging and um, loving someone the way that you would want to be treated. And so the question that I reflect on when I'm, when I'm praying through this, I'm thinking through this, I ask myself, am I merciful to others when I have it in my power to help someone else? It may be a sacrifice for me, but if it's within my power to do something, do I extend mercy to them? Do I live in such a way that others are first and I am last? Mm. Wow. In this me first world, I will tell you that um, an acronym that I learned in Sunday school as a little, as a little girl, success for life, maybe you all heard it. It's joy, J-O-Y, Jesus, others, and yourself. Am I living that way? I, am I living <laughs> that way? Do I see my material blessings as a means of blessing others or of just kind of hoarding things up for myself? Do I give of myself only when it's convenient? 
Or worse, do I give of myself only when it's openly seen or rewarded? Well, (laughs) we already talked about that. Scripture says that you already get your reward when that's the path that you take. Can we be honest that we don't always love mercy? I mean, like when it's convenient, we sort of like it (laughs) if it's going to benefit us. But we can, we can, if we're truthful, I'm sure we can all say that our actions don't always reflect the heart of God in all circumstances. Am I speaking the truth? It's a painful truth, and it's a truth that should point us to places of prayer, to, to emphases of prayer. You see, being merciful and filled with loving kindness should be my way of life. This should be who I am. No matter where I am, no matter what I'm doing, no matter what good day or bad day, this is his will for me. And the third thing this passage offers us is we are called to walk humbly before our God. And I already stated, I believe this is the key. If you can, you can't do the other two. You can't do the other two without walking humbly before our God. This means we must live in complete dependence on a holy, righteous, amazing God. You see, it's acknowledging that he alone has the answers, that his ways alone are pure and perfect, and he alone deserves the glory. Does anybody else believe that? We know that to be true. And so the question that I ask, uh, the, the series of questions that I ask when I'm wondering, Lord, am I walking humbly <laughs> before our God? Am I walking the walk? Do I make decisions based on how they will benefit me? Or do I make my decisions based on how they will benefit God's kingdom? Do I feel the need to take credit for all the wonderful things that I've done? Or am I content to let other people shine? Do I feel that I deserve this job, this position, this ministry, this recognition? Do I rely on my good deeds to count, uh, to, to sort of be, well, well, you know, but I've done this and I've done that when my heart is very far from him? Do I shy away from doing something because I don't want to be embarrassed if I fail? Folks, that's letting pride and insecurities keep us from God's very best in our lives. In all those questions that I just asked, I hope you can see a pattern. There are a whole lot of eyes in those sentences and not a lot of God. I've already spoken to the fact that walking humbly doesn't fit too well in our culture. You know, now, now well, it, 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 I guess it's apparently your your responsibility um, as a modern uh, digital citizen to tweet every stellar action or post carefully staged photos of our accomplishments on social media. You see, we've become very good personal marketers, marketing ourselves, marketing our preferences, marketing our kingdoms rather than God's kingdom. And I think all of this bleeds over into our spiritual lives. It's that what's in it for me attitude. We're so good these days at setting boundaries. <laughs> you know, well, I have to set boundaries. I have to do, folks, I, I agree with that. And there, th- we all need to learn the word no. But it's interesting to me that many of us, um, th- 
many of us, the, the number one place where we've learned the no is in the kingdom of God. But it's not in, in areas that could seem to personally benefit us. We're so good at setting boundaries that we make no room. We make no room for sacrifice for God's call. I can't tell you the number of times I've just, I've truly been taken aback, but I've encountered people who have great, amazing talents, and they're using these talents in the marketplace, in their careers, um, in their personal lives, all these sorts of things, but they refuse to use these talents for God. And if I may humbly, sincerely ask this question, the question that I would ask is, who gave you those talents? And to whom do those talents belong? See, we believe in 100% stewardship. So everything I have belongs to God. We had a series about that last month. Everything I have belongs to God. So I want to be willing to leave it all for him. You know, that's that sports analogy, leaving it all on the court. I'm not saving up my best for these other things. I'm giving my best in the house of God. I'm giving my best in the kingdom of God, and I'm going to burn brightly for him. And certainly, I hope that that light spills over to other areas of my life as well, but he is my priority. He is my number one because my number one goal is glorifying the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And that, my friends, that is how you find God's will for your life. You surrender your heart, and you obey whatever, whatever, whatever he calls you to do. I wish somebody would type that in the chat. Whatever, whatever it is. It starts and it ends with your heart. When you live out Micah 6, 8, you'll be amazed at how simple it really is. I said this a lot. Notice I said simple. (laughs) I said it's simple. I didn't say it's easy. I said it's simple. You see, when we're in this process of giving our hearts and our motives and our desires and our passions over to God and saying, Lord, no, truly, I want to put you first. When we're in that process of that, honestly, it can feel like It can feel like you're waking up in the middle of heart surgery. You're just right there on that stretcher, and this work is being done, and you wake up, and it's painful, and you want to jump off the operating table and run in the opposite direction because it kind of is crazy. But you know your heart needs fixing. You know your heart needs fixing. And, folks, I I just I want to tell you, I want to tell you the, the heart work, getting the motives right, getting the who before do right, I'm telling you, getting, getting the why before the what right, that's the heart work. That's the spiritual open heart surgery, and that is what must be addressed. And I want you to know I am fully committed to embracing all that God has for me, and I can't. I can't without giving him my heart and complete surrender and allowing him to do that work. And that means obeying what he's already shown me. Again, I said, it's simple. It's so simple. I didn't say it's easy. If it's easy, he wouldn't have to tug at our hearts. If it's easy, we do it the first time he brings it to our attention. But I, but I want you to know there's no other path to the will of God than submission. There is no other way to walk in the will of God than obeying. Obeying what he has put on your heart, obeying his scripture, submitting to the word that's preached over the pulpit, that you know is coming from a biblical perspective and is coming from a heart to grow and develop and strengthen you. And so 
I am personally committed, no matter how it feels, no matter how it feels like I am there feeling my heart being ripped out in this open heart surgery, I am fully committed because I know my heart needs fixing. I know my motives need to be made pure. And I know that there's nothing else that matters like walking in the will of God. And I'm calling you, my dear friends, to do the same. Please, please don't get up and walk away from the operation table. Please don't focus on the what and fail to become the who God has called you to be. Why don't you commit right now? We're going to pray. Why don't you commit right now to living out Micah 6.8, to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. Let's pray right now in Jesus' name. Dear Lord, dear Lord, we desire your will. We desire your will more than anything. I pray right now, Lord, that you would forgive us for the times that we placed our will before yours. I pray that you would forgive us for the times that we made hearing from you for for these big and lofty matters more important than obeying in the here and now. Lord, we repent, we surrender, we humble ourselves, God, so that we could do justly. We could love mercy. We could walk humbly before you. Lord, every single day I am committed to following you, Lord, to putting you first, to seeking your will, the beginning of the day, God, and letting you lead and guide me. My greatest desire, God, is to become like you. Lord, if I focus on becoming the right who, then I know that you will help me choose the right do. If I'm driven by the right why, God, I know you will lead me to the right what. So in this moment, I humble myself. I seek your will. I seek your desires and your passions for me more than anything else. I surrender to you completely. I trust in you. I trust in the power of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. I'm so grateful that you are here tonight. I'm so grateful that you have a desire for God to change your heart, to lead you, to guide you. And we're here to help you along that journey. If this is your first time at the Sanctuary Church, why don't you fill out a Connect card? Let us know how we can support you. Let us know how we can lift you up. If you have a prayer request, send that to us. We're here to pray for you. We can't wait to see you this Sunday. We'll be here in person at 1030 a.m. You can also worship with us online Sunday at 1030 a.m. and Sunday at 7 p.m. Have a great week. We love you. God bless you.